The Psalms aren't just for studying, they're for worshiping. So let's worship God as we, as we declare this Psalm, uh, Psalm 121 today, as we declare it to God. Okay, it's a song of ascents. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hands. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. What a great God we serve. Let's hear it for God. So three things I want to say from this psalm. Three postures. Uh, it's, It's describing a person who's looking up. Say, look up. Sometimes you just got to look up. Uh, notice the title of the psalm is A Song of Ascents. And it's interesting when it talks about a song of ascents, uh, this is talking about the psalms from Psalm 120 right through to Psalm 134. And they're called Song of Ascents because it's describing a person's journey as they ascend to Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem's on a mountain. And three times in the year, at least three times in the year, the Jewish people would gather for festivals in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem being in a mountain range, Mount Zion, you may have heard of, it's the mountain on which Jerusalem is based. As the pilgrims arrive to Jerusalem at one of those three occasions for these festivals, it's believed that these song of ascents, that was when they were used. They were used as worship and praise to God as they were arising to the place where they were going to meet with God in Jerusalem. Uh, so that's, what, that's the kind of context here. They were arising, they were going up. In verses 1 and 2 it says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The mountains, okay, he's probably talking about, again, he's rising up to Jerusalem. And he's he's looking up to Jerusalem, he's saying, where's my help? Well, I'm going to meet with God in Jerusalem. He's acknowledging that God's his help. And the God he worships on this mountain called Mount Zion is the true God, the creator of the heaven and earth. It's probably held in contrast to the pagans of that time who also worshipped their false gods on top of mountains. You heard of high places. They had these places where they sacrificed and did worship to their false gods. So that's the contrast here. He's going to worship the true God or she's going to worship the true God as a pilgrim on Mount Zion uh, in contrast to the pagans who worshipped false deities on, on other mountaintops. So This is a guy who's worshipping the true God. I lift up my eyes, it says. It's interesting. I think think the psalm's not just talking about a movement of the head. I think it's talking about a posture of the soul. I think it's talking about someone who's getting their attention onto God. A couple of psalms on, Psalm 123, 1 and 2, it says, I lift up my eyes to you, to you who sit in thrones in heaven. As the eye of a slave look to the hand of their master, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he shows mercy on us. 
I, I think lifted up eyes in the Psalms here are speaking about someone whose gaze is fixed on God and they have an expectation to receive from God. They understand that he is their answer. They understand that he is their hope and their confidence. I think that's what it's talking about. It's talking about where do you look for help? Where do you turn your eyes? Do you lift up your eyes? Do you look to him? Where do you turn for help? Many people look downwards. They're walking around life with shame, with deep regret, with guilt. Their head's down all the time. Their soul is downcast. Some people look inward. They look inward for strength. I mean, that's what the self-help books tell you today. You know, look for the strength within yourself, right? I don't see much. And we're looking inward and we're trying to find what, what it takes within us as if we're the source. Other people look around. They spend their time looking around and blow, troubled by the worries, you know, tr- constantly aware of the stuff around them, looking at all the things around them and it's trouble in their soul. Some people, they're looking around and what they're seeing is temptations and the lure of the world and it's trying to get their soul's attention at the things around them. Some people look back. They spend their time constantly. They, they just can't look forward because they're always looking back. They just can't even get their eyes on God because the stuff of the past. The Apostle Paul said something great recorded in Philippians 3 and it says, one thing I do. Now, who's saying this? This is, this is Paul. This is one of the greatest apostles, one of the most famous leaders in our world. And he's just telling you the one thing he does. Whoa. I mean, you've got to ears prick up and you think, wow, what's Paul saying? One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul had learned one thing, and his one thing was this, he's got to lay the past behind him, and he's got to press on to what God's got for him. So Paul's past was he was a murderer. He killed Christians. And I tell you what, if anyone had a regret, the Apostle Paul carried a a regret, a high awareness that, man, I murdered God's people. I thought I was serving God as a zealous Jew, and I murdered God's people. That's what he used to do. What did he go on to become? Well, he went on to become one of the greatest leaders this world has known. He wrote 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament, almost half of the New Testament, the world's all-time bestseller, was written by the Apostle Paul. He went to, found, went to plant and found churches all across Europe and Asia. I mean, that's success. So we saw where he started and we see where he ends up. And you think, well, how'd you go from that to that? Chance, our good friends yesterday, and he was talking about the, the regrets he's got from his past. He said, sometimes I still wake up in the middle of the night and I can visualize the stuff I used to do. And some, that's probably a story for many of you. You're, you're living with a high awareness of the stuff, the past. Like Paul. How did you go from being a murderer of Christians to become one of the greatest Christian leaders in the world? Well, Paul learned to look up. One day in the Damascus roads, as he was on his way to kill more Christians and imprison more Christians, he had an encounter with Jesus. And all of a sudden he looked up. And this Jesus who he thought was dead, he suddenly realized 
he's alive. This Jesus who he thought was a phony suddenly realized he's the truth. This Jesus who he thought was just a man suddenly realized you're Lord and you're God. That's how you go from being someone who's had a crippling past to becoming a world changer. You look up. Maybe some of you today, you've been living without him. I mean, how, how could you live without him? Well, I appeal to you today. Look up. He is not just a man. He's God in the flesh who died on the cross to save you from your sins. And without him, you're lost. He's resurrected. He's alive. He has power to change your life. You put your trust in him today. Look up. Paul stopped looking back. He started looking up. The Bible says, I lift up my eyes. The guy made a choice. The person writing this psalm made a choice. I'm going to lift up my eyes. So also, you've got to make a choice. You've got to lift up your eyes. You've got to make a choice to look up. You see, when you're fearful, you've got to look up at him. Jesus said, in fact, it's probably the most common commandment he gave to his disciples. Fear not. When you're fearful, look up. When you're discouraged, look up. Corrie ten Boom, who survived the Holocaust, living in the Jewish concentration camps, seeing people dying all around her, in a destitute, hopeless situation. Here's what Corrie ten Boom said. She said this, look around and be distressed. Look inside and be depressed. Look at Jesus and be at rest. So you're discouraged, you look up. You're lost, you're, you've blown it. You've blown it big style. Well, you could spend all your life looking at your failure. Maybe even this week, you could spend your life looking at the failures from this week. You're just staring at it. And your, your, your sin and your failures are glaring you in the face. The mistakes you've made are so dominant in your minds. Well, you've done that. You've blown that. You need to get your mind off that and look at a man on a cross and understand that what happened on that cross is that one man for all people, one man who was fully God, took all your sin, all your brokenness, not just the ones from way distant past, but the ones from yesterday, this last week, this last month, this last year, all your sins. In fact, every sin you ever have or ever will commit. He died and that blood shed utterly, utterly cleanses the moral debt of every human being who put the trust in that man, Jesus Christ. I mean, completely, so complete. So instead of walking around looking at your failings and your blownness, you look at the one who achieved that for you on the cross and who rose again and whose blood today has power to cleanse all sin. You see, you're lost, you look up. Isaiah 45, 22. Look to me, God says, and be saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God. There is no other. There was a story of a, a little boy, and one day as he was looking down on the grounds, he found a a gold coin on the street. And from that day forward, every day, he walked around looking at the grounds. And he lived a long life. He lived a very long life. And in that long life, 
he found many, many, many gold coins. He had a lot of gold coins because he spent his entire life looking down. But he never saw the trees. And he never saw the flowers. And he never saw the, the incredible scenery. And he, he didn't see the sky. And he didn't see the blueness and the beauty at night. And he didn't see the mountains and the sceneries that he could have seen. To him... This lovely world that could have been so beautiful was all only just a dusty road where he found gold coins, merely a place where he would look for coins. And many human beings are living like this. They're living in a world where they're living for other things. They're consumed with possessions or worries or stuff of life, of this groundedness and this earth. And yet there's a God. There's a God who created everything that you can know and live for. So don't live on this plane, live with him. So look up. Uh, the second thing I want to encourage us from this psalm is keep looking. Say keep looking. Okay, this was a pilgrim who wrote this psalm. It was someone who was on pilgrimage. They, they, on a regular basis, at least three times a year, these pilgrims would have traveled to Jerusalem. They were not just one-off worshipers. They were constant worshipers. Their agenda was Godward. So this was a lifestyle this was something of consistency in this person's life. They had an agenda that was Godward, not just as a one-off, well, let's try him and see, but a perpetual Godwardness in their life. So they didn't just look up when they were in crisis or look up when they were having a tough time. They just looked up and kept their eyes looking up. They kept looking. Look up all your life, folks. Don't just look to God in crisis. Why get the great things happening when you're just in crisis? Why not just live a life connected with him every day in the good days and in the bad days? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race, say race, that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, here Jesus, we have a key to Jesus' ability to endure. He looked past the cross. He wasn't focusing on the cross, he was focusing past the cross at the joy of what would be accomplished through the cross. He saw you. He saw multitudes of people that would come to know him as a result of his suffering. And that's the key for endurance. You look past. And here's the key for your endurance. You're fixing your eyes on Jesus. You're living this life. It's a, this race is not a 100 meter sprint. This race is a marathon. This isn't just a, I'll try God and see how he goes. No, no. you can do that with, you know, with a product if you want. But this is God we're talking about. You know, this is a marathon. This is saying, okay, God, from here on for the rest of my days. So start your day, every day, looking up. Psalm 5 verse 3 says, My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you and I will look up. How do you start your day? You know, Jesus, it's often recorded in the life of Jesus that he started his day by looking up. You often found him up on a hillside in a lonely place or somewhere. And before he made big decisions like choosing the twelve or like changing location. He would take time with the Father looking up. It's a great way to start your day. 
start your day looking up. When I was in India, those orphans in that orphanage who've come through so much, they start their day looking up. They're, they're up real bright and early at five in the morning and they're all up and they're praying and they just can't wait to be with God. And they start their day looking up. And I tell you what, if they looked around or looked at their past or looked at what they didn't have, they wouldn't be able to live a life. But because they look up every day, they start the day that way. They have strength. They have peace. And look to him for wisdom. This is constant. This is a marathon. Right through this life, look to him for wisdom. Second Chronicles 20 verse 12. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Ever felt like that? Man, I feel like that. I feel like that probably about 15 times a day. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. It's a great place to be. Sounds like a weak place, right? Oh, no. No, that's a strong place. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. That's such a strong way of living. That's such a safe way of living. You're looking to him every day for wisdom. In life, you look to him. Hebrews eleven twenty seven. By faith, he, talking about Moses, left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. Moses has come through this incredible situation in Egypt. He's a, he's a wanted man. He's a wanted man. There's a price tag over his head. And Moses was able to persevere. How? Because he lived a life seeing him. Just like us who are to fix our eyes on Jesus in this marathon of life. In life look to him, but also in death look to him. There's a phenomenal man called Stephen in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 7. And it says, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they became furious and gnashed their teeth at him. Stephen had just stood up in front of the most religious people on planet earth and told them they'd got it wrong. And told them that that Jesus Christ, whom they had crucified, is God's savior to the whole world. And they were angry. But it says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven opened and I see the son son of man standing at the right hand of God. What did he do? He looked up in death. At this they covered his, their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they rushed at him and dragged him outside the city and began to stone him. And Stephen was the first martyr in the early church, the first martyr, Christian martyr. This man in death looked up and he saw Jesus. You want to survive death? Look up. Don't look to your good deeds. Don't look to your merits. Don't think, I've lived a good life. God's bound to accept me. Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Seriously. First of all, you're deluded. You really didn't live that good a life. And secondly, you have no possibility of ever saving yourself. Only Jesus Christ can save us. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. One had to die on our behalf who was perfect and sinless. So when you're dying, you're looking up and you're saying, okay, I'm dying, but... In this death moment. I want to prepare you for death, folks. Because we're all going to face it. So when you're in your deathbed, please remember this. It's not a morbid moment. It's a transition. On your deathbeds, remember this. Look at Jesus Christ. 
thank him for being your savior and die well and live eternally and I will see you there. It's so true. It's so true. Chance of Manuel yesterday and he was talking about in, in the care homes where he works seeing the difference between people who are looking at Jesus who are dying and people whose gaze is nowhere near God. If you work around people who are at the last stages of life, you will see the difference. Look up, folks, in life and look up in death and keep looking in life. And then, so look up, keep looking. And then what we see in this psalm, and I love it, it's so robust, it says, he's watching. Say, he's watching. Verse three, he will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hands. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Wow. I don't even need to preach. We just look, read the psalm. That's amazing. You just read what I read? No? Yes. It's pretty cool, huh? Thanks, three of you. It's got five watches in there. I like watches. But God's watching you. Apparently, when in, in the... Uh, in the ye olde days in America, the American native Indians, when the children became adults, they had a coming of age kind of ceremony. And it was a bit of a process they went through. Roughly when they turned uh, just before 13th birthday, they would have all this training where they would learn to hunt and they'd learn to fish and they would learn survival tactics and all these things. And then, but when they turned 13, on the night of their 13th birthday, what they would do was the final part of the coming of age ceremony. And they would take those uh, soon to be adults and they would take them blindfolded into a very deserted woodland area and they would give them a bow and they would leave them there and they would take the blindfold off and it would be pitch black and in the middle of that darkness everything they heard was like a they were imagining it was a wild animal and they had to survive the night in that environment and you know every twig that snapped or every movement they thought it's a wild animal, and they had to get through that night. And as the, as the sun started to rise in the morning, and as they could start to make out different shapes and forms, and as they looked around, they suddenly saw the form of a figure. And it was the young boy's dad, who'd been standing only a few feet away from him all night with bow drawn, ready to cover his back if any little thing tried to take him out. Oof. God watches you. Boy, he watches you. He's just, he's got his eyes on you. Every day you're, you're living and right through your life and everything you're doing, he's got his eyes on you. Who is the person that God helps? Well, remember the context of the psalm. It's talking about someone who's on pilgrimage. It's talking about someone who has a, a Godward agenda. They're, you know, they're, one, they're a worshiper of God. They're on pilgrimage. They're walking with God. 
Who's, who's it talking about? It's talking about someone. It's not talking about someone who's looking around or looking down or looking back. It's talking about someone who's looking up. Their eyes are on him. That's who the person that God helps. He watches those kind of people. Are you one of those kind of people? He watches those kind of people and he covers your back. I love what it said in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. It says, the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. It's kind of a funny picture, isn't it? These eyes <laughs> flying around to and fro throughout the earth looking for those whose hearts are completely his that he may what? Strongly support you. Isn't that cool? So how do you live in this covering? How do you live under this watchfulness of God? Uh, right, let me illustrate this. I need a victim, sorry, volunteer. Um, thanks for volunteering, Owen and Tim. Tim, let's hear for the, my South African friends at the front. Yay. Woo. Okay, just now stand here. This is perfect, guys. Okay, I need a prop, something like, uh, like an umbrella. Like an, oh, there's one there. Can I have that umbrella? Is that possible? Thanks, let's hear for the prop and the prop deliverer. Okay, one of you is getting this umbrella. Tim, you get the umbrella. Owen, no, you're on that side of the stage there, buddy. Okay. Right, so just stop. Oh, it's perfect. Right, so stuff happens in life. We know this, don't we? We know that things happen in life. Sometimes really bad things happen in life. Don't they, Owen? Now, you have some people in life who just, who figure they don't need God. Or you have some people in life who, who just go to God. Owen, run over under the umbrella for a second. When there's a crisis. But Owen, Owen, run back over there. Run back over there quickly. No, do... Okay. But then, when everything's fine, so the crisis is over, they run back over there. But you just know that's not sustainable. Because what's going to happen, folks? There's going to be other crises in life. Okay, thanks. Did you get the illustration? Did that help you? Or do you need... You ain't got it yet? Okay. Let me make this abundantly clear, right? When you're under the covering of God, see that? Nothing touches you. Let's hear it for the covering of God. But when you're not under the covering of God, when you're not under God's covering... And things happen in your life. You got it? Okay. When stuff happens in life, when things happen in life and you got no covering, you get in trouble. Let's hear it for our volunteers. Yay! Woo! The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth. that he may strongly support those whose hearts are fully his. When your heart is fully God's, when you're on pilgrimage and your agenda's God, you're looking up, you're not looking around, your eyes are in him. Every day, I'm looking to you, God. I'm, looking to, I'm not just coming to you in crisis. I'm gonna live. I, I commit to living with God every day of my life. I commit to not just committing myself to God way back at my conversion. 
I commit to today and tomorrow living passionately for the creator of everything. I'm not going to just pop in and pop out. I'm going to hang out with God's all my days, not life on my agenda. I want to live life on God's agenda. You're under an umbrella. You're safe. You're covered all your days. It says, I love it. It says, verse three, it says, he will not let your foot slip. You know, as, as, as those pilgrims rose up towards Jerusalem, some of it was pretty rocky territory. Some of the big drops and uh, ravines and, you know, slippy, right? And and the picture here is the pilgrim doesn't want to have a foot slipping. But God says, you know, if you're a person who's looking at him and continue to look at him, he's not going to let your foot slip because he's, he's watching you. His eyes are on you. Ever wondered if you're going to make it in life? I love what it says. Let me read you some great Bible verses. Jude chapter 1 verse 24. It says, to him who is able. Who's able? Him. Who's him? God. To him who is able. God is able. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. He is able. Now you might not feel able. You might think, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I could make it with great joy and without fault in his presence. I know you can, and neither can I. I'm not hoping I can make it. I know he is able. He can do it. Do you understand this? When you come to him, I mean, I'm talking about when you properly come to God, you don't need to have an ounce of insecurity as far as the eternal issues are concerned. I mean, at all. I'm not talking about people who think they've come to God and they really didn't. Or I'm not talking about people whose faith is just an emotional, silly thing. I'm talking about people who have truly met with God and have their faith in him. You do not need to worry. He is able to keep you from stumbling. I love the life of the Apostle Peter. I relate to the life of the Apostle Peter. I see a man who had 101 weaknesses and yet God got him through. You remember just before he betrayed Jesus. Jesus had this dialogue with him recorded in Luke 22. It said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift all of you as wheat. But I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times that you have known me. And we know how it went. He did. And he had deep regret in his soul. But notice what was going on behind the scenes of that betrayal. It wasn't just a surface reactionary moment that Peter had. There was a, a, there was a devilish attack behind it that Satan desired to sift him. And I'm, I, I would guess that Satan would probably desire similar things for each of us. But the Bible says that Jesus had prayed for him that your faith will not fail. That your faith will not fail. That's what he prayed. That your faith won't fail. That is the biggest issue in life. It, is, it, is it the real deal faith you've got? You see, your actions 
may deny him. Your life may make some bad turns. You may make wrong decisions. But your faith will not fail. That's the issue. The Apostle Peter, later on in reflection, writing back in 1 Peter 1 verse 7, he said this, your faith, which is infinitely more precious than the perishable gold which is tested and purified by fire. The most precious thing in your life is your authentic faith. An authentic faith you didn't conjure up. You didn't think, all right, I'll figure it out, I'll try and answer all my doubts. Okay, I've answered all my doubts. I've got faith. No, 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 you didn't conjure up your faith. Your faith was a gift from God. And he, and he didn't just give it to take it back. He gave it and he keeps it there. He keeps it there. He keeps it there every single day of your life. I love it. That your faith will not fail. It's the most precious thing in your life. I remember chatting to one of our church members who's no longer alive. Uh, and that guy called Billy Finnegan. And some of you may remember him. He had, he had a problem with heroin. And he battled with heroin since he was probably in his late teens until when we knew him, probably in his early 30s. And I remember talking to him in the doorway of Leith. And this was when he was doing great. And, you know, he's, when he just loves Jesus, just totally loves God. A real authentic faith in God. And I was just chatting to him about life and he said, Peter, I hate heroin. I hate heroin. And I just hated it because he knew the hold it had in his soul. So he died. And it, he probably died with a death that was related to that addiction. So is he going to heaven? So the issue isn't behavior. I'm not giving excuse for bad behavior. I'm just telling you that the issue as far as God is concerned is authentic faith. And Billy Finnegan, you can see in his eyes, he has authentic faith. So you'll meet him one day and he's doing just fine. The addiction's dealt with. Authentic faith. 2 Timothy 1 verse 12. I know and have believed, I am convinced that he is able to guard which I have entrusted to him until that day. God can keep your foot from slumbering, from slipping. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 8. He will also keep you firm to the ends so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. He can keep you firm. What's he talking about? He's talking about your faith. John 10, 27 to 30. My sheep listen to my voice, Jesus says. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hands. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hands. I and the Father are one. God has got a double grip on your life. Jesus Christ got you. The Father has got you. No one can snatch you out of Jesus' hands. No one can snatch you out of the Father's hands. You see, you think, oh, I've got God. Well, really? Is it not that God's got you? Oh, I found God's. In, in one sense. But is the bigger truth not that actually God found you? So when you ask the question, can I lose God? 
And you realize the bigger question is, well, did you find God or did God find you? It changes the question entirely. Because if you find God, then maybe you might lose God. But if the ultimate truth is that God found you, God's not going to lose you. Oh, where did did he go? I had him yesterday. Where did I put him? Oh, come on. He's got you. He's got a double grip in your life. Chat to a guy last week. He's a friend in the city. He's a blogger. It works at 121 George Street. And, and he's, he years ago had trained as a, a Baptist pastor and completely abandoned faith and walked away from God. And he, I met him last week for a coffee. And he said to me, do you know what? I just, I just dawned on me a couple of months ago as I was having some time by myself, it just dawned on me, do you know what? I know there's a God. I know that Jesus died for my sins. I cannot, I'm trying to argue myself out, but I know it. And what he's talking about there is faith. It's the language of the heart, not the head. It's your knower, not your hoper. It's a deep knowing in the inside, a gift from God, and it's the faith of God will not fail, and that's what saves you. And he's come back to God. And, and he's, he's found God again, and he's so excited. So He's got something to blog about now. You see, Je- you see Jesus with Peter, and we're going to skip ahead to Matthew 14 here. This is where Jesus came walking on the water, and he finds Peter. In verse 28, it says, Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the winds, uh, he was afraid and began to sink. Because, listen folks, if it's windy, you cannot walk on water. I mean, that's obvious, isn't it? He saw the wind and thought, what? It's windy. I can't walk on water. And he began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Oh, you of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? You know, you ever, you ever taken a big step in faith? and you've slipped you ever stepped out and it it didn't work out I love what Benjamin Franklin said he said the man who does things makes many mistakes but he doesn't make the biggest mistake of all doing nothing Um, I think we're so risk adverse in our culture I think we, we love safety and we love security the truth is that some of you in the past have stepped out in the Lord, and maybe you slipped, maybe it looked like you were sinking, but he grabbed you and you didn't, because he promises he's going to watch your life. And because of that, you've been feared of taking any more steps. Others of you have never taken steps for fear of failure. And I just want to encourage you today, take steps of faith in God. You see, Peter, the apostle, later in his life, he had an issue with racism. He had problem. He was a Jewish man and he was proud to be a Jewish man and he didn't really appreciate and look in a loving way towards non-Jewish Gentile people. You see that if you read Acts chapter 10 and in various other parts of the New Testament. He had a, a res, residual issue going on in his life of racism. And in Galatians 2.11 it says, when Peter came to Antioch, this is Paul writing, I had to oppose him to his face because he... he what he did was very wrong. 
And he was, he was being hypocritical in the way he interacted with Gentile people. And what did God do? God brought a man called Paul along and Paul corrected him. So do you know how God will stop you from slipping? Sometimes God will stop you from slipping by supporting your faith. Sometimes God will stop you from slipping by rescuing you as you've stepped out. Sometimes God will stop you from slipping by sending a person along your path. I am eternally grateful to God for some people that God has placed in my life. Angie, my wife, the team I work with, the people under whose authority I operate. Thank God for people who have the courage to correct you. That's one of God's ways of keeping your feet from slipping. Revelation 3.19 says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, Jesus says. You know, the beginning of Peter's walk with God, Luke 5.8, he said, away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And do you know what? He was right. He was right. Because if you look at his life, he betrayed Jesus. He doubted while walking in water. I mean, weakling. (laughs) And he was a racist. So he was a sinful man. He wasn't a safe bet. And yet Jesus still chose him. And that's what he does with our lives. Let's look at the verses again. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hands. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. I love that, both now and forevermore. Adoniram Judson, who was America's first ever missionary, uh, he went to Burma. He said this, God has not led me so tenderly thus far to forsake me at the very gate of heaven. The truth is that God will oversee your life right through this entire life. And one day you're going to be in that transition moment and he will oversee your life right then as well. He is the one who watches us. So I want to encourage us, church. I want to encourage us, people of God. Keep your eyes looking on him. So maybe if you've never looked to him today, why not look to him and be saved? Why not make a choice? Stop looking at the stuff. Stop looking at your past. Look to him and be saved. For those who already have made that choice, I urge you, I urge you and petition you Keep looking, keep walking every day, eyes on him. Not getting distracted, not living half-heartedly. This is God's. Live with a passion for him every day of your life. And then I want us all to live with this massive assurance that as you live, eyes on him, connected with him, under his covering, then he washes your life. He's got you back covered He even says that he watched you while you were formed in your mother's womb. He's overseen your life. In fact, he knew you before the creation of the world. And his eye is on you and he has a plan. Live a life of courage before a God who will never let you fail. Let's pray. So God, we say thank you, God. There's, I mean, there's 101 reasons to thank you here. These verses 
are so loaded with great truths. They give us peace. They give us confidence, God, in the face of a life of insecurity. They give us peace and confidence, and we praise your name for them. We thank you for these verses. We thank you, God, for your love. We thank you that you watch over us. Thank you, God, that you will never forsake us. We praise you today, God. So God, today we look to you and we keep our gaze on you. Lift my eyes to the mountain. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. He's the maker of heaven and earth. And that's where our eyes are today, God. Eyes of faith, trusting you. Thank you, you keep us from slipping. Okay, just pray back your response to God. Just wherever you are, just talk to God. You've heard the verses. Now respond to God just where you are. looking to him you're just ticking ticking over you're just going through the motions and there's no passion any left anymore and you're you're no longer eager to seek him come on he loves you so much why live a second best life reconnect with God today some of you you're just not looking to him at all and it's I ask you today And I believe God would want you to be asked, why not today look to him? Maybe you'd looked to him years ago, but for whatever reason you walked away, well, today's the day, come back. Some of you have never looked to him and you've just, you've been thinking about it and right now is your moment. Today's your day. Look to him, not just today, but from now on, turn your eyes on him. That's you. I want to help you connect with him just now. Just where you are, if you're here today and you're saying, Peter, whether it's my first time or whether I'd previously looked to him, but for whatever reason I've walked away today, I want to look to God to be my savior. I want to put my trust in the Jesus who died and rose again. So that's you today. Pray this prayer with me just now, just under your breath. Pray, dear God, thank you for your love for me. I realize I've been living a life without you. I've been looking everywhere else but up. And today, I make a choice to look up. I make a choice to look to you. I look to you as the true God, the creator of everything. I I look to you, Jesus, as the one who died on the cross to save me. And I look to you today to be my saviour I believe you rose again on the third day and I know you're alive right now and for the rest of my days I want to live a life that looks to you be Lord of my life thanks God for hearing my prayer